1: After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
0: For everything. For everything Indy. For everything cults. It's the Blue Horseshoe now. now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. It is the Game Preview Pod, quote-unquote. We don't talk a little Giants-Colts, but also a lot of other storylines around this team. As the Colts get ready for their road finale Sunday in the Meadowlands, Colts-Giants, 1 o'clock on New Year's Day. No place you'd rather be than on the couch watching Nick Foles, I'm sure. But on top of that, we'll discuss the future of Chris Ballard. There's one question I want to ask when it comes to his future, whether it's here in Indy or somewhere else, and they're bringing UGM in, because it is New Year's resolution All right, George? New Year's Eve's on Saturday. We figured, let's give the Colts some New Year's resolutions this year. Shop but how can we make sure 2023 is not a repeat of 2022? We have some resolutions for this team as well, and we will give our game pick and even discuss, with two games left in this season just absolutely down the tubes, is there anything to either gain and or lose worse than what we've seen so far? So we got a loaded game preview pod here for you coming your way. So George, let's hit on. Well, first of all, happy early New Year. We have made it to the road finale. Glad the pot is still going on. So, cheers to us for for how bad the Colts have been. We have made it to almost the end here.
1: Getting close to the finish line, which is which is nice. Uh, you know, just a few practice days left in this year. Just two games left in this year. Uh, yeah, you know, happy early New Year, and uh, maybe maybe 2023 will just bring better storylines and, and and more. Fun and joy to this franchise.
0: I am just thankful we did not get can like Frank Reich, and then this Colts podcast was replaced by a computer, you know, analyst and I don't know, a, a mathematician. Like that, that's basically what it what could have been the equivalent so, of if we took the Jeff Saturday approach here.
1: Well, you're basically just saying, though, is there's two people who are afraid, right? I mean, that, that's what the owner was that's talking true. about a computer analyst and a mathematician. So
0: they love numbers, they're not afraid. scared. Exactly, that is true. We are we are brave here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod because we show our face three times a week, even with this team playing like the way they are. So, speaking of which, George, one of the ways to get back to uh, playoff contention, division contention, Super Bowl contention is getting good players on the roster. Duh, obvious. Well, one of the ways to do that is right is by having a, the right GM in place. And obviously, Chris Ballard's future now is, is you know the biggest thing to watch going forward here. Jeff, uh, Jim, Jim, Mercy multiple times said Chris Ballard is the GM. You want to take Jim Mercer's word? Good luck for you. But here's a question I want to toss you away. Because we've been talking a lot about you know Chris Ballard's future. Should he stay? Should he go? We talking about the, the Colts draft, should they draft quarterback or not? Let me ask you this question. Does the G like does Chris Ballard, or I guess I'll I may ask it even a simpler way? When it comes to drafting a quarterback, is it more likely that if you keep Chris Ballard, he's more inclined to use that top five, maybe top four, maybe trade up and, and be aggressive? to get as high as you can, is it more likely that Chris Ballard is likely to draft a quarterback in the top five? Or is it more likely if you bring in a a new GM, that new GM, whoever may be, will be more inclined to be aggressive in the draft, which is something that Chris Ballard rarely has done for the most part in terms of trading up at least and getting a quarterback. Is it more likely that new GM, again, unnamed right now, will be aggressive and kind of getting a quarterback for the Colts in the draft?
1: I think it definitely would be more likely that the new GM would. uh, For one thing, they've got a lot more leeway, you know, you, you're you not as concerned about, well, if this pick doesn't work out, you know, in November, my job's on the line. Th- those kind of things aren't on your mind when you're a first year GM. So you can swing big and, and try to get that, you know, go move up and, and, and try to get that franchise guy. Uh, and I think that's what, you know, the two things most GMs do when they take over any franchise, uh, if there's not a quarterback already in place, they're going to go and, and draft a guy, uh, or trade for a guy, you know, and, and and get that set up. And when I say trade for a guy, I mean more like more along the lines of what we were talking about earlier in the year, going for a Trey Lance, going for a Jordan Love, somebody young who you would, you know, have that runway with, who you're going to build around. Uh, and the other thing is, you get a head coach, right? I mean, those those are the two things that a new GM wants to do: uh, get those two positions chosen, and then you build around them. So I would assume anybody that came in would, would be more likely to. My big question with Ballard this offseason is, you know, will he change his philosophy in that regard? We've heard him say many times one of the reasons that he doesn't just, you know, take a big risk on a quarterback is that if it doesn't work out, he he won't be around uh, you know, to, to finish it. Uh, does that change now? You know, when when your head coach has been fired and 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 when the team is you know, not in good shape and and the offense in particular is, is a mess. You know, is there less risk in his mind about that? Because I you could make the argument that it's just as risky for him this offseason not to go and, and get a young quarterback and start building around him as it would be to get a guy in and for that to not work out.
0: That's why I asked this question, George, because it's like I, I'm not trying to cop out here, but like I honestly don't think it matters because like if you were Chris Belly, I think you're right. Like I think he, his job is more in danger if he doesn't draft a quarterback. In April, compared to if he does and it doesn't work out, just because, like you said, like the pressure's been there. And right? in the six years he's never done one, the the uh, I know Andrew Luck was there, so it's not like you know early on he had a reason to. Remember, since Andrew Luck left. You know, again, when you kind of go down the, the the veteran route, again, we're talking about how it's it's failed more times than it worked. I'm not sure if really Chris Ballard has a choice. And again, like I just feel like if he's gonna be brought back and Jim saying decides to keep him and follows through on what he said, I think it's going to be because there's a plan in place of, hey, this is how we're going to get our quarterback. It's not going to be Derek Carr. It's not going to be Jimmy G. Here's my plan. These are the, I don't know, two or three quarterbacks that I feel comfortable taking here. Maybe, you know, we'll discuss a head and hooker, the, you know, how things drop in the second round. We'll be aggressive. Maybe we'll get, you know, a tackle in the first. Like somebody like, I I just think Chris Bow's is going to be back. It's going to be back because he has a plan for how to attack the quarterback position in the draft, whereas, a new GM, like I just – the reason why I ask is just because, like you said, it's such a – it is a risky move to draft a quarter, right? Because more times than I, it doesn't work out. If you hit, you hit, and you're set for life for the most part. If you fail, though, it's tough to come back from. And I wonder if you are now a, a first-time GM or even a first-year GM in Indy. Like you mentioned, head coach, presumably they will be the ones that, that hire that new head coach. And it's like, are you also in the same cycle going to take another risk and in a quarterback, or you would you want to go along slowly and say, hey, I'm going to work on the head coach and we'll kind of piece this one together, and then I'll get a quarterback maybe in a year or two. I just wonder how the philosophy would be, and I think they're being, depending on who it is, maybe a little bit more of a conservative nature from a brand-new GM, because there's so many big decisions to make this offseason where they're trying to play the long game where Chris Ballard, like you mentioned, I think he's damned if he does, damned if he does in this offseason, so – I think that kind of almost forces him to kind of do something he's never really done before. And that's kind of go all in on a quarterback in the draft.
1: And I also think regardless of who the GM is, um, is a veteran quarterback going to want to come here? How attractive, you know, is this job now for, for a veteran quarterback you go back through and you look, I mean, obviously Phillip rivers was a free agent. He chose Indianapolis uh, in large part because of Frank Reich, but also because he felt like this was a place he could come and win. There were plenty of reports that Carson Wentz preferred to be here over Chicago and to some extent, you know, wanted to be here and and affected that move happening. Which and then right, obviously, right? yeah, you know, and and then obviously this past offseason, Matt Ryan had the the conference call with uh, Ursay Ballard, and Reich and chose Indianapolis uh, and kind of forced Atlanta's hand in, in making that move. So, you know, take a guy like Derek Carr, he's got a no-trade clause. Even if the Colts were sitting here and saying, hey, you know what? Um, this is our guy. This is our target. What about Indianapolis would make Derek Carr say that's, that's where you know my best opportunity is? I think that's another thing with this offseason. Either way, I think the GM may be kind of cornered here. You're either going to have to get a free agent uh, with very little options, a quarterback in a trade with very little options. Or you're going to have to draft a guy. I just, I don't know what you would sell. Derek Carr's the guy to use right now because he's the guy we all know will be available. What would you sell Derek Carr on to say, hey, come here. And it's going to be different than it was with Matt Ryan. It's going to be different than it was with Nick Foles. And it's going to be different than it was with Carson Wentz.
0: I'm glad you wrote the no trade calls at Derek Carr because, right, that's been a topic we talked about on the last pod we did. So, if you didn't, you know, if you missed that, make sure again you download, subscribe to the Blue Horser Pod so you're always up to date with everything that's going on. And at least when we were recording, we put a poll question on Twitter. It was still early in the poll when we kind of were talking about there were some of the results. And at that point, remember, yesterday we were talking about it, it was like 55% no. Well, now that we're 24 hours later removed and a lot more votes, if you wanted Derek Carr, the question was, would you want Derek Carr as quarterback for the Colts next year? 80% said no. So a lot of Colts fans are off board with Derek Carr in the first place, but you're right. Even if it was 80%, yes, because like you mentioned of the no trade clause, he controls where he wants to go. The Colts are are right now for a veteran quarterback, not attractive. We talked about a lot. They're not a quarterback away. They're not. They need time to build. They need time to develop. And if you're a, a veteran guy, you don't have a lot of time. You don't have a year or two to waste. Kind of growing up with some of the young guys and teaching them and dragging them along. So then you hope in a year or two, two or three years, maybe at that point, you know that you could kind of compete for a playoff spot. It's just right now they they are in a spot where again a young quarterback that can grow with a lot of these young players is the absolute way to go. So that's why like because I saw this a lot on Twitter the last few days about you know Chris Ballard and oh get it, get it, get it rid of him because um, then culture drops quarterback. Like I think you're right. I think whoever the GM is. I think they're going to feel immediate pressure to draft a guy because, one, like I said, there's not many veteran options. Two, uh, uh, Jim Mersey. I just say the fans are climbing, but Jim Mersey is climbing for uh, uh, an answer to get off the quarterback carousel. And three, it's just like with the way the team is constructed, like I said, it, having a young quarterback uh, with this, for the most part, core of young guys, it just makes the most sense in terms of team building-wise and in terms of window-wise where your window right now is not open.
1: I would hope. Uh, you know, if Jim Ursay does move on from Chris Ballard, but even within the head coaching search, I would hope those interviews are draw, driven by the quarterback conversation. When you're talking to head coaches, one of the first questions should be, you know, what's your plan at quarterback? What do you envision? If we draft Bryce Young, what would you do? If we draft CJ Stroud, what would you do? If we draft Anthony Richardson, what would you do? You know, Will Levis, what would you do? Which of those do you prefer? Um, I think that's got to be part of the, the, the equation with the head coach. I think it's got to be a huge part of of that whole process and who you hire there. And if you brought in a GM, it should be the question. Um that in the head coach. I mean those those would be the two things right. you have to have a plan uh at those two spots. And I just don't see how it, quarterback's been the biggest conversation every offseason since Andrew Luck retired, but I think this year even more so. I I don't know how it can be anything but, you know, what is your plan at that spot? And again, that could change a little bit based on who the head coach is you bring in. I mean, much like with Frank Reich, if they've got a history with somebody, they might lean towards trying to acquire that guy. Maybe that guy would want to come here. Uh, and that could be a young quarterback. He, take somebody like D'Amico Ryans. If he were to take this job, maybe his idea is to get Trey Lance. Maybe he felt like, you know, that is the future. And, and you know, he's he likes what he sees uh in practice from him and he wants to bring him in or, you know, anybody, if if you hire somebody from the green Bay staff, they might want to go get Jordan love. You know, I I don't know, obviously without knowing who that head coach is, it's hard to say what they're, which way they might lean. But to me, that's gotta be a big part of this whole equation. I think that's part of what went wrong in Denver. They brought in Nathaniel Hackett. Basically you're chasing Aaron Rodgers, and you're saying, you know what? Uh, We're going to hire Nathaniel Hackett. It'll convince Aaron Rodgers to come here. And then Aaron Rodgers says, "Now nah, I'm I'm going to stay in Green Bay," and you try to put Russell Wilson in there, and it's a it's a square peg in a round hole, and you see the results. Like I think that's a big part of this this search. You've got to make sure this quarterback. You can't guarantee. You don't have the number one overall pick. At least you don't yet. <laughs> you can't guarantee uh, that spot to a head coach. You know, when when Andrew Luck was coming in, you could say, "All right, we're going to draft Andrew Luck. Let's let's go that way." But you can still have an idea, you know. You can you can sit down and, like I said, throw out multiple guys and say, "What would you do with this guy? What would you do with that guy? Which you prefer?" That's got to be a driving force here because that head coach quarterback combo—that's obviously that's what drives the success of your team.
0: Oh, we've hit on it too multiple times, and the Denver—the um, Denver point is perfect because you're right. Like that's where you do not have everyone aligned on the same page. They thought they were hiring the head coach for one quarterback, End up being a different quarterback. And now you see Denver looks like they are just dead in the water right now. Russell Wilson has totally regressed. There's you know, there, there's not a lot of hope that that he could actually turn it around. And one head coaching hire just, and one move based off of hope changed the entire possible trajectory of a team that in the Broncos was – I mean, we talk about one quarterback away from like legitimate Super Bowl retention. They were right there, knock on the door, and you hire the wrong head coach. The, yeah, correct doesn't fit, and next thing you know, you're kind of going backwards, even though last year they had Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke playing for them, they were in a worse spot this year. Russell Wilson, because of that, like I said, non cohesiveness at head coach quarterback compared to what you had last year. So, you're 100% right. Like, Willis Ballard, Willis, a new GM, you have to have everyone on the same page and in lockstep. And depending on the head coach you hire, right, they may have a preference of, I like Anthony Richardson, I, I think I can mold his game better, or I like Bryce Young only. or. Hendon Hooker, or someone that's if you take value in the second round and we can get a you know an offensive tackle or a wide receiver here at the top five pick, I think I would feel a lot better about the offense going forward. Like, right, you have to first and foremost here figure out the direction you're going to go based on your head coach and then mirror that vision to actually you know getting the proper personnel. Which to Chris Ballard's credit, if you're going to make a case for him to stay, I think mean, he's for the most part done a good job. At he's listened to Frank Reich, he's picked players that Frank Reich has had an affinity for. I mean, you know, you know. Uh, he loved Carson Wentz and wanted to get him here. Um, You know, guys like the other draft stores, like Paris Campbell, was a guy that, you know, Frank uh, Reich really liked coming out of Ohio State and drafted him, you know, when he had the opportunity to. So Chris Ballard has shown a flexibility to build a roster around the head coach's vision. It's just now, like I said, finding the right head coach in order to execute that vision into hopefully what is reality of a good football team.
1: Yep, and I, it's where it all goes, right? I mean, those two spots are are so critical and they're both going to be open this off season. And I think that's, we've seen the last few years it, it's been all player wise, but you know, Hey, they got to get a left tackle. They got to get a quarterback. They got to get a defensive end. And you could argue that the reasons that those seasons have not ended up the way they want them to, is they weren't able to get good answers at those three spots. Same thing this off season, except one of them is the head coach. Now and you've really got to go out there and find that guy in, uh, in set. I, I feel like and I, I think you agree on the offensive side it's got to be back to square one you've got to it's got to be a completely blank slate i don't think anybody over there should be untouchable i don't think anybody over there should be guaranteed a role next year um i think you've got to do whatever it takes to to get this new head coach's vision whatever that is you know we don't know what scheme he's going to want to run we don't know what he's going to want to emphasize we don't know what kind of players he's going to want and you've got to go into that with the idea that We'll we'll tear up all eleven spots if that's what it takes to get this guy the offense that he wants to run.
0: Because no one, like I said, no one deserves offensively this year to to have a claim and have that right to be like, oh yeah, of course I'm unmovable, I'm untouchable. And now you deserve i a starting spot that question. Because you're right, like no one's performed at anywhere near the level they should. When you have one of the worst offenses in the NFL, you're right. Everyone's job, without a doubt, is up in the air. Whether you are Deion Jackson or whether you're a Quinn Nelson, right? W- without a doubt, for sure. Um, but I think to to put a bow on this, George, I think. The GM to me is irrelevant in terms of if they're more or less likely to draft quarterbacks. So I think whoever is the GM at the end of the day will feel that pressure to get a guy, and I think we'll end up pulling the you know, pulling the uh, the trigger whether it's number five, number four, like I said, whatever it is, wherever spot the Colts end up. I think there we will see a first round quarterback go for the Colts, whether it's Chris Bow or someone else.
1: And I expect Jim Irsay to have a big hand in that. I mean, he has the quarterback position has been the one thing that he's been very vocal about throughout his, his entire reign here. You know, we know that he was a big part of choosing Peyton Manning. Uh, we know that he was a big part of, of choosing Andrew Luck. Uh, and I assume he's going to be a big part of choosing whoever the quarterback is this year. Uh, I think that's going to be a part of it, too. And, I, and it, that's why I agree with you 100%. I think the GM is going to do that either way, because I think the owner is going to be in his ear telling him, this needs to be done, and this is the way that I would rather see it go.
0: Yeah, Jerry Mercer is not shot. to have his voice heard. That is, uh, that is for sure. And we're seeing that play out right in front of the rise this year for sure. All right we return here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. New Year's Eve, at least as we're recording this on Thursday, is 48 hours away. So as we get set for the new year and look ahead towards 2023 and hopefully brighter days, we have a few New Year's resolutions for the Colts to make sure 2022 will not replicate itself in 2023. We'll do that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Reineke and George Bremmer here with you as always. Make sure it's a giving season, right? So just be give, you know, give a little bit. Make sure to give us a like and a download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Not only for our sake, but for your sake as well. So you stay up to date with all the brand new pods coming your way. We got a lot to react to this week. A uh, really fun midweek pod. Last week we had a fun discussion. We'd rather if you could only have one, Bryce Young or Jim Harbaugh. So check that out if you missed it again. Wherever you do get your podcasts. Um, so a lot of fun stuff, a lot of fun conversations like that coming your way all throughout the off season as well, cause it's going to be a very busy one, George. So that's why this now is no better time to be subscribing to the blue horseshoe pod.
1: Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, this is the time to hop on board. Uh, we're sort of like that indie band that's getting ready to break out. you got (laughs) to jump on there now. So you can say you were listening to the pod way back when.
0: Before, uh, before the bandwagon fills up for sure. (laughs) Make sure Uh you get in early. Make it a New Year's resolution. What the hell? You know, everyone's making uh, promises for 2023. Make it your promise. And guess what? Get out ahead of it. So before even the calendar turns to 2023, you, you subscribe. Boom. All of a sudden, there's one off your list. So speaking of New Year's resolutions, George, I mean, the Colts can have a million. I mean, we could have an entire podcast, maybe a few podcasts on all the resolutions and all the different ways the Colts can try to improve themselves in 2023 compared to 2022. But if we just have a few New Year's resolutions for the Colts heading to this brand new year, well, what's one that you kind of have off the top of your head?
1: The one that I start with is don't flinch. That used to be the motto around here. You know, we we heard that all the time. And I feel like that as much as anything undone this season, when you go back to, they were three, three and one and they flinched and they started making all these massive mid season changes. And you look up now and our producer Aaron was talking about this before the show, even before we even started recording today, you know, the two division leaders are seven and eight right now. You're not, you were three, three and one when you started toying around with with the direction of the team. You put all that work in in the off season with the idea of you know this is the plan. You spent so much time trying to get that ready for a seventeen game season. You give up seven games into it. Uh, I think this is the result that you have. So you're standing here now at four, ten and one, and no chance. Uh, just playing out the string for two games. And if you had so much as two more wins in that stretch, you'd at least be in the hunt. You know, you might need some help, but you at least be in the hunt. You got three or four more wins in that stretch. You might control your own destiny. So um, for me, it's it's don't flinch. Get back to your what was one of your core philosophies. I
0: like that a lot, because right, you heard it a, a ton, especially starting with you know, the whole Josh McDaniels exits, don't flinch, we're here to go. And then like I said the three, three, and one, they just absolutely folded, folded up camp and said, All right, we're out of here. I like that one a lot, George. This one is for Jim Mersey specifically. And that's the resolution of, for next year, allowing the people you hire to do their job. I know you can say this year is more of a one-off and an anomaly, but the fact is, Jerry Merce made himself the owner, the GM, and at times the head coach in terms of deciding who was going to play, who was going to get benched, am I going to fire the head coach, or who am I going to hire? Like He basically did it all. And I think when you look around the NFL, really in life, like I think the, the good leadership, the good companies, the good teams and organizations are the ones that are hands off in terms of allowing the people you hire to do the job you hired them for. There's no reason to hire a co-host on the podcast if all you're going to do is just talk over them the entire time. And just talk to yourself. You know, you I mean? just you're hired there to talk as well and go back and forth. Let them talk. Let them do their thing. It's the same thing right now with the Colts, where Jim Mays, as right now at least as we record this pod, hired Chris Ballard to to oversee personnel, oversee you know head coach hires. Let them do the job. When the head coach is hired, let the head coach coach the team pick the quarterback and who's going to play and start and run the system. It has to be a resolution. Cause again, we've seen Jim Mercer get his hands uh, on this team a lot this year. And frankly, George has been an abject failure.
1: Absolutely. You know, I think those two go hand in hand. Um, when I, when I am saying, don't flinch, the owner was one of the ones who, who flinched uh, the most aggressively. And, and, and you've got to keep that out. I think, you know, when we talk about resolutions Everybody out there listening, you know, it's usually giving up some bad habit, right? I'm going to quit smoking. <laughs> I'm going to drink less alcohol. I'm going to not stay up late at night. Right? That that's one of our big goals, right? I think the Colts need to do the same thing. No more band aids. Uh, going back to our previous conversation about the GMs, no more veteran quarterbacks. Give up that habit. You know what I mean? You've been addicted to the idea of of reclamation projects here. Um, it's it hasn't worked. It's time now to move on. You know, even if even if you go the the rookie route and it doesn't work uh at least like you said at least you're not insane you're not trying the same thing over and over again um try to build something around a young quarterback and and see where that goes Uh, but i think no more band-aids would would be one of my resolutions for this team
0: i like it i like it a lot Uh, another resolution Next year, can we let Jelani Woods cook? You are a Grover Stewart stand pot on the defensive side. I'll take the reins at least on the offensive side and make this a Jelani Woods pie because it's not all the sample size is very small, right? But I think at least anytime he gets the ball in his hands, he has a walk-in mismatch and he's at least able to make something something good happen. I just feel like sometimes I know it's because of injury, so it's not, you know, the quarterback's fault or the scheme's fault. But I just feel like sometimes they get away from him too fast. He had a nice start uh Monday night against the chargers, didn't see him the rest of the night. That's a guy, especially too, assuming there's going to be a young quarterback on this roster next year playing. Like, that's one of, like, a, a big mismatch. tight end is one of the best friends for a quarterback, especially when you have Michael Pittman Jr. is a solid receiver, but it's not exactly like one of those alpha dogs like Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup that's always open. And you kind of build that trust where you throw the ball their way and always make a catch. You could kind of have made the closing to that in, in Jelani Wood just with his size, with his wingspan, with, you know, w- the unguardability of him because there's really no defender that can match up with him. That's the guy I think they have to feature more in the offense next year, in part because I mean, George, first of all, there's no one else out there taking more, you know, snaps away or balls away from him because we kind of mentioned before, everyone's jobs up in the air on offense. There's not a lot of guys you have to feed uh, that are head of line right now with Jelani Wood. So good things happening against the ball. Let's give him a little more opportunities in 2023.
1: I think that's one of the most frustrating things about this offense. When you look at it uh, by any measure, it's, it's, if not the worst offense in the NFL, one of the bottom three. I mean, every single thing you look at um, is terrible right now. Turnovers, scoring, third down percentage, red zone percentage. They're bad in, in every area. But you also look at at just the, the raw talent. And you look at a guy like Jelani Woods, who can be a quarterback's best friend. You look at a running back, the caliber of Jonathan Taylor, we've seen what he can do. You look at a, a top receiver like Michael Pittman and another – Couple pieces on the outside with Paris Campbell and, and, and Alec Pierce, it's not like the cupboard's completely bare. For whatever reason, the sum has has been nowhere near the whole of its parts. And I think that's you know, when we talk about this not being a spot a veteran quarterback would come into, it's not necessarily because there's absolutely nothing to work with, it's just because you know that there's you whatever is missing is going to take more than one offseason and more than just a quarterback. Uh, to fill in. You still need to upgrade those receiver spots. There's good pieces. You still need to upgrade there. You definitely need upgrades on the offensive line. Uh, there's there's still a lot of work to be done, but I also think the frustrating part of that is it's not a situation where there's just no talent, where there's no one to throw the ball to and you can't make plays. Uh, and I think that goes into my final resolution for them, which is stop turning the ball over. Huh. I mean, we could talk about all the things that go wrong on this offense, but the one that they control the most and probably has the biggest impact on on improving that side of the ball is protecting the football. You're at 30 turnovers right now, which is an unfathomable number two per game. They're on pace for 34. They may exceed that. We'll see how things go. Um, If there's one thing that you could give this team next year, that I think in and of itself, nothing else changes, but this one thing turnovers is probably at the top of that list that would make the most improvement for this football team.
0: If they cut it in half, or even just get like, let's just say they, oh, let's just say they got two more games left. They keep on average 34. So you cut that in half. It's what, 17 turnovers next year. So basically one a game. They cut it down from two to one. How many more games they win just on that fact alone, you think?
1: Three or four, I would think. I mean, it, go back to games like Washington, Philadelphia, uh, you know, these games that came down to one play, even Minnesota, Turnovers weren't a huge factor in that one. They only turned it over once. The Vikings didn't score. Uh, but I don't know how many of these games Dallas is probably exhibit A. If you don't yeah. turn the ball over in the fourth quarter of that game, who knows how it turns out. Uh, but that's, yeah. I mean, it's Either enough to be game. in the division race right now.
0: Yeah. Either Titans game, I think you say too, like, you know, the John mm-hmm. Taylor fumble on that first down run or, you know, the pick six by Matt Ryan uh, in Tennessee week. ago, like, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think bare minimum of third wins. So we're looking at a what, a four, ten, and one team right now. Uh, I think guarantee you, I said just by cutting the turnovers down in half and listening to your resolution, I'd say that's seven wins right there. By kind of taking everything else out of out of uh out of it, because that's it's it's still like hearing that number, see, like you you watch them all, and so, like you know they're like it's a massive problem. You just hear the raw number of 30 turnovers in 15 games, which still two to go is just unfat, it's unbelievable. It truly is unbelievable. Now that's, I'm not going to wood here for those who can't see, but just to be safe, cause I am superstitious. That seemingly has to be a resolution or I'll give you one more, but that has to be the one that comes to fruition the most, right? You got to think
1: you would hope you can't I mean, if it repeat, get worse next 24. year. Uh, well, I guess I'll say this. If it gets worse next year, then Caleb Williams will be in Indianapolis in 2024. So there's that.
0: That's a good point. You know, so I like that. George light at the end of the tunnel. There we go. If it gets worse, at least you'll get a, a franchise or, or maybe a generational quarterback for sure coming your way. The last thing I will say, it's more very niche. I will say, but I do love uniforms. I like the the Colts changing the uniforms, bringing back the the fifties throwbacks for a game. Bringing, I like the blue on blue look. I know they did that last year as well. I kind of like like the the uniform change up a little bit. So just I would say as a resolution, make that you know more of a thing in twenty twenty three. Because guess what, George? If you can't win any games, at least you can look good losing. That's what I'll say. And the blue and blue was a good look. The the fifties throwbacks are a tremendous look. I love those looks uh, with the the stripes on the side or the horseshoes on the back and helmet. It's a good look. So again, if you're going to not gonna be very good next year, at least make it easier on the eyes.
1: I'd like to see him join the uh, alternate ho- helmet brigade here. Almost every other team had some significant alteration That's to their true. helmet. They had the throwback helmets with the horseshoes on the back, but I'd like to see like a real alternate helmet a different color helmet one with a different logo something that's that's really different i feel like everybody else was doing it maybe that's why the Colts had such a bad year maybe the football gods looked at them and said you're not having enough fun i think we're gonna put it all down to the lack of an alternate helmet
0: you can't play good if you don't look good now i do like the Colts uniforms i think they look good but you're right i think you have maybe a blue helmet with maybe like the bucking bronco you know like that that logo like that'd be a good look blue on blue on blue let's Go, George. I think mean, we've we've figured out the Colts woes, turnovers, and more uh alternate helmets. There you go.
1: Fix it right there. Fixed.
0: <laughs> so if you have a new year's resolution for the Colts, let us know. Drop a review anywhere you do get your pods. We'll, we'll love to hear those kind of interactive going back and forth with you there. When we do return to close out this game preview of the Blue Horseshoe Pod, we will get into said game. Colts Giants Sunday, one o'clock Easter. We'll give you our thoughts on that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan and George Bremer here with you. Make sure you are downloading and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you may get your podcasts. So, George, the road finale is almost here. Sunday, 1 o'clock, Giants Stadium. Giants going for, uh, with a win, they clinch a playoff spot. So the sixth-trade opponent, or really the third-trade opponent, I should say. The Colts are playing the playoff spot on the line for them. Colts are, are, are underdogs by six points, which is okay interesting on the road against a, a playoff caliber team but let me ask you this question here when it just comes to the game in general two games left is there anything that could make this season worse than it already is like is there anything i guess to lose these next two games but at least on, on sunday against the giants
1: it's hard to to imagine what it would be i mean when you're when you're looking at already having a historic comeback you know the, the worst the biggest uh, blown lead in, in NFL history. When when you're looking at a 33 point fourth quarter in Dallas, which was a franchise record for them, uh, there, there aren't a whole lot of things they could do worse. I mean, I guess they could set those records again, you know, have a 40 point quarter and, and maybe a 40 point blown lead. Uh, but I think they, I don't know if they've hit rock bottom, but they're definitely they can see it from here. Uh, it'll be interesting, you know, to see how things finish up that way. I look at it more on the like sort of who can maybe make something of this season matter for them as an individual. Uh, And there's three guys that come to mind right away. First one's Dallas flowers because we've seen him start to kind of make a name for himself as a return man with Isaiah Rogers going on, on injured reserve. He's going to get some more play on, on, on defense. His teammates talk really highly of him. They really think he's got a lot of talent undrafted guy played division two football, played at four different schools but he was enough of an athlete that he played on both offense and defense. And he also played basketball in college. Uh, So I mean, you're talking about a guy who's kind of a freak in a lot of ways, and I think it'll be interesting to see, can he go out there and and earn himself a spot in the rotation, maybe in that defensive backfield next year. Uh, The other two guys are pending free agents, Paris Campbell and and Bobby O'Karake. There's 31 other teams watching them right now. O'Karake's had a pretty strong finish. He puts together two more like 12 tackle games that's going to help him. You know, he's sitting down and, and people are looking at the tape at the end of the year and seeing how hard he was still playing uh, and how hard this defense was still playing. I think that will really be something that, that that could pay off for him here or elsewhere. And Paris Campbell, just play these last two games. Have a 17-game yeah. season. You know, I think that would be huge for him uh, and, and help him as he tries to either get a – I think he's a guy who really would like to come back. You know, I think he really enjoys – uh, he's got a young family. I think he wants to stay here, doesn't want to move them around. Uh, but I think him playing 17 games would would help him a lot in, in that regard. Other than that, I don't know there's a lot on the line. I mean, yeah, you we've seen. You can do some more things to embarrass yourself. But I don't know. You're not on national television anymore. You're, you're not in those stand Thank spot, God. You know, Thank so God. It, it seems hard to imagine it's going to get worse than that. But I don't put it past them, right?
0: That's true. Right. Just when you think they can't get any worse or no way they'll embarrass themselves any more than they already have, they have found a new way and they made a 33 point fourth quarter look like nothing when you blow a 33 uh, nothing second half lead for sure. What I would add to that, because I I think you're all three on all three players, I think you're 100% right. There's something to watch for and some intrigue there. One unit I'm still looking at here is the offensive line. It's tough because you almost kind of forget about their improved play because there's results. And again, when you have. That Dallas game, the Minnesota game, even the lifelessness uh, against the Chargers when you have Nick Foles getting sacked, uh, was it seven times? it was interesting when you have Jeff Satter, I think he played in the offense line, I think he said two uh, for two of the sacks. So again, still not great, especially with, with no Joey Bosa on the other side for, uh, for the Chargers, but it is a marginal improvement. But at least you are starting to see some more consistent play a little bit. And I do think even with this loss season, you can take momentum from one year to the next. you got to finish strong. And again, not that you're going to finish strong in the win column. But finish strong least in terms of individual play and unit play. And that's one where I think the Colts, definitely more than you know, anyone uh, anyone else or really any other unit on this team, they need this office line to at least finish strong. Bernard Ryman continues to kind of be, you know, one of the, the best rated players, overall players on this team the last month. So you're starting to see him really kind of grow and get comfortable. Not that there's a, a big test. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau had a, a great game, a few weeks against the Commanders, and we saw Jerry that he did in week number one. So maybe I should actually take that back and say there's still two good tests uh, left for him to go here in the final two games. But like, if you can at least finish strong there, at least helps you give some momentum and maybe some thought of, you know what, this is a rough start, but this is a unit that we can still could, you know fix it. There still needs there still improvements, without a doubt. But at least if you can start to see some semblance of, uh, Quinn Nelson's starting to get back. You know, Braden uh, – actually, Bernard Rimes is showing you that he's a guy that maybe can you know fill the left tackle void. Braden to the right tackle. Like, I think the offensive line picture could be a lot less bleak if you could just finish all these next two games compared to, well, let's say, after the Tennessee game or after the New England game uh, a few months ago.
1: No, absolutely. And if you're – I think we're all in agreement that you're going to bring in a young quarterback here next year and, and try to, you know, let them – make their way and make their mistakes and, you know, learn on the job, that offensive line element of that is critical. I mean, it, the better protected they are, the better the run game can be to support them. And then the the philosophy on offense. I think those, you know, when we talk about what led to this offense being so wretched uh, because I don't think anybody saw being this bad, even people who were as pessimistic, you know, as they could be coming in this season, I don't think thought they were going to have the arguably the worst offense in, in the NFL, um, turnovers have been a huge part of that. We, we mentioned that earlier. The offensive line, the inconsistency up there, has been a huge part of it. But I think the overall philosophy too. I think there's there's something to the idea uh, that the league is kind of caught up to to the scheme that Frank Reich was running, and that they've got to try some new things. You know, and, and I think that's to me that's one of the most important elements with this this next head coach. Obviously, what they want to do at quarterback is a big idea, but what is their... You know, are they got are they a little bit more plugged into to the modern NFL game? Do they want to use a little more motion in the backfield? You know, they want to get the quarterback a little bit more on the run, uh, find some more creative ways to, to open things up on that side of the ball. That's huge. And I think obviously no matter what scheme you're going to run, the offensive line helps all of it. You know, the better the offensive line is the better all of those things will, will work. So um, I definitely think, Continued improvement on the offensive line is huge because no matter what they're going to do next year, it starts there. It starts up front with them. You know, any improvement on offense next year has to begin with with a more solid offensive line.
0: Now, the atmosphere at Giants Stadium or MetLife Stadium should be pretty pretty hyped because again, the Giants have a chance to clinch the playoffs in, in Brian Dable's first year. I know it's New Year's Day at one o'clock, so you, know, you get fans that are hungover, maybe a little groggy from a late night out the night before. I think it should be a pretty good atmosphere. With that said, what do you think, what kind of Colts team do you think we get, George, on Sunday from an effort perspective? Because we are coming off a game on Monday against the Chargers, where I think it's the first time you mentioned it, I think you're 100 right, they seem like they quit. Is there any sort of belief that the energy will be back here and there'll be a, a strong finish and their goals, you know, they'll try to play spoiler, uh, at least on Sunday?
1: it's hard to imagine why you know i think defense is mentally fatigued honestly i mean they they've they just had to deal with so much throughout the year uh they've been on the field probably more than any other defense in the nfl this year and i think they're physically and mentally fatigued uh, and offensively i think there's just some at some point you bang your head on the wall so many times you run out of answers too you know i mean they've they've gone through three different quarterbacks they've gone through i don't know how many different combinations on the offensive line They've gone through three different play callers, or two different play callers, I guess. Three different offensive coordinators, two different head coaches. You know what? What can the confidence level really be, realistically on that on that offense right now? They're human too. They they see the same results all the rest of us see. And I'm not saying they're going in there thinking they can't do anything, but I, I am saying if if you get off to another slow start in the first quarter, it's only natural those thoughts are going to start creeping in. One element I think that's going to be interesting. I know it's not going to be horrible from a forecast standpoint up there. This is probably going to be the coldest game they played this year. I mean, when you look at how many indoor games they played and, and the very few outdoor games they had were really early in the season. So um, does that affect anything? You know, is there is there any rain in the forecast? Is there any kind of element uh, involved? They really haven't to deal with any of that this year. Um, does that affect the game on Sunday? It'll be interesting to see.
0: Well, at least right what my weather app's telling me 53 degrees and mostly sunny skies on Sunday. So
1: to make it hey, lucky that, again,
0: that's going to rival, you know, one of the, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's good living. If one of the worst weather days you're going to have is 53 and sunny, you know, look at the bills at Buffalo, look at some of the teams that, you know, look at last week when everyone's freezing their butts off in the deep freeze. It affected almost everywhere, except obviously the Colts playing in the dome. Like, It is. They have lucked out weather-wise. It's a shame that actually this offense has still been this bad, even with, you know, ideal conditions for most of the season. Just another, another reason, George. Not that they needed another reason to just be discussed with this offense, but there you go, another one to add on top of the cherry on top. Good weather still doesn't matter. I'm with you, by the way, when it comes to, like, the effort and the intensity, just because you're right. It wasn't there on Monday night. I don't think now going and facing a team that, again, could your is going to really juice this team up because it it was right there against the Chargers. It was right there against the Vikings at both times. They let those games slip away, and especially in the second half against Minnesota and the entire game against L.A., just like they just didn't care. And also, too, like to your point with of the offense, like, all right, Nick Foles back starting. Well, is there really a reason to play hard if you're on the defense or offense You know Nick Foles back there when you saw the way he played in his first game and now it's like, oh, all right, can't wait to go fight hard for Nick Foles who – most likely the players aren't dumb. Probably not going to see him again next year. He's probably going to be a one and done somewhere else. So it's like – it's I, I get it. You get paid to be professionals. I'm not excusing it. I just don't think what we saw on Monday night, you're going to see a whole lot of different sorts of effort for the Colts on Sunday.
1: I think the only way it changes is if you get some big plays early. You know, Something like what happened in Minnesota. You, you get a big play on special teams or, or you get a big play on defense and then the offense cashes in then you might see some enthusiasm grow just because you've got some positive momentum, but um, you know, obviously even that wasn't enough to get them over the top up there. So uh, it's, it's really hard to any other scenario. It's really hard to see why they would be all of a sudden fired up. And a couple of guys have mentioned playing in New York on new year's day. And that being kind of a special stage, uh, I guess you can make that case, but I, I don't think it's enough to, to suddenly turn around a four ten 10 and one season.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. That's, if that's the motivation you need and you're not going to be motivated by Monday night at home against a team that's fighting for a playoff spot, then I don't know if if being in the heart of uh, or just outside of New York City on the day after New Year's is going to get you fired up, that's for sure, to play uh, a spirited game at 4-10-1. All right, George, let me ask you this. So the Colts are our six-point underdogs on the road. The over-under is 38. What's more likely here? This game goes over the number of 38.5 points or the Colts can keep within a touchdown?
1: Um, I'm going to go with the Colts keep within a touchdown because I think the Giants have been another one of those teams this year that kind of plays a lot of close games, you know, a lot of one-score contests. I'm not going to pick them to stay within one, but I think that's more likely uh, just because New York's played pretty much all year. They played, they played really close down-to-the-wire contest, so I don't think that would be a stunning outcome if it happened again on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you in terms of what what's more likely because I don't see this Giants offense lighting even with we talk about the defense. I don't see this Giants offense what is what's lighting it up on Sunday. And we know the Colts can't score. So it's they they won't do much on their end to uh to contribute to that number for sure. So I'm with you. I think the, the under is in play and the under is, is very likely uh, on Sunday for sure. Sorry, right, so what is the game prediction, George? What what are we gonna what are we thinking about what are we forecasting for uh the road finale?
1: Yeah, some numbers that, that I can't get out of my head right now. The last two times that, that they played without Matt Ryan and without Jonathan Taylor, they're 0 for 24 combined on third down in those games. They've had no touchdowns scored in those games and just six total points scored in those games. And uh, We've been talking about not seeing a lot of reason for things to turn around. I don't see a whole lot of reason for that to turn around. Um, I know the Giants haven't been maybe the most dominant defensive team uh, this year, but I, I don't think it's going to take a whole lot. The Chargers weren't either. You know, Chargers had a lot of, of issues coming in, especially uh, against the run, and the Colts weren't able to take advantage of it. I'm looking at something, I'm going to say 17-3 to on Sunday in favor of the Giants. I think it's going to be a game very much like the one we just saw, uh, where it's just sort of the Giants almost sleepwalking their way to a win while the Colts just sort of play out the string.
0: I would say 19-10. I think you're right in like I think this is the game where they just they'll just find a way to get one touchdown. Like this is this is what we have come to here. Like 10. Honestly, when you're going through the score, I'm like, do I really want to say 10? Like, am I being too generous here by saying 10 points? Ten points. That's what we're talking about. If I'm being too benevolent to the Colts' offense, but it's like, holy cow, I mean, I don't think this Giants offense is gonna, you know, the you know the Colts are gonna turn over twice, definitely one time in on their own end. I just don't see this Giants offense converting those short fields into touchdowns. I think the defense will still do a good enough job to hold enough field goals. I think a lot of field goals for the Giants. I'll say 19-10, Nick Foles gets one in the end zone. He gets his first career Colts touchdown. Let's say, uh, you know, let's give Paris Campbell bone here. You mentioned before, I think it's a good one. Contract year. he'll be playing hard. Three, little 11-yard touchdown, Paris Campbell, there you go, but lose 19-10 and go to 4-11-1. Everyone's happy.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the final buzzer sounds, and, and everyone's fairly healthy. Uh, that's probably even even Jeff Saturday said when we were talking to him about outside of you know winning these last two games, what do you want to see? And he said just a complete game. You know that that's that's how far this team's gone. You're going 15 games into the season, you haven't put four good quarters together. So I think even if you don't win the game, but you feel like you played four good quarters, that'd be a step forward for this franchise.
0: I'm just trying to like, would you consider the, I would probably consider the Raiders game a complete game. So outside of that, like, I don't think they've had one complete game all year. It's crazy. Not, uh, <laughs> so you can't. He's asking for the city, that There happened. were
1: some, some, some laws in there and, yeah. you know, um, you can't say the Jacksonville win because the defense, that was probably their worst performance uh, all season. Although it looks better now the way Trevor Lawrence is playing than it, than it did on that day. Um, but yeah, you know, it, 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 something as simple as that play, four good quarters for the second time this year. Uh, that, that's what it's come to.
0: Just so, this is those last five minutes. It's like, I don't know. Again, it's just like reality sets in. Are, we're sitting here talking about 10 points is too much and being too nice with this offense. And it's like, Hey, can you just play a complete game? Can you play a full four quarters of decent football? It's like, we're, we're asking too much here, but at the same time, it's like, Oh, that just should be like the benchmark each other week. That just shows you how far off the rails this team has gone this year for sure. So that'll do it for this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Really do appreciate all of you who do tune in. Have a great New Year's. Have a happy one. Have a healthy one. Hopefully your New Year's resolutions come true. Fingers crossed, George, the New Year's resolutions we gave for the Colts do come true here. And 2023 is a lot brighter than 2022. So to continue a corny dad joke, we'll say this. Enjoy the game on Sunday. And we'll talk to you next year right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.